from the author of the book by the same name. It's The Best Saturdays of Our Lives Podcast with Mark McCray. Welcome back to the Best Saturdays of Our Lives Podcast. I am Dan Klink, uh, joined, of course, by Mark, superstar author of The Best Saturdays of Our Lives, the book, McCray. How you doing, Mark? Doing great. Doing great. Ready to dive in and talk more about animation and music on Saturday morning. You know, we would be remiss if we didn't mention one of the absolute heavyweights of the music era in the 80s. You know what that is, Mark? Yeah, I'm thinking it's got to be Alvin and the Chipmunks. Alvin, Simon, Theodore. <laughs> yeah, the Chipmunks, man. Alvin and the Chipmunks. That was oh straight. Gosh. That was rock and roll. Right. Oh, it definitely was. And what an awesome comeback for them. I mean, they had one of the first primetime cartoon series in the 1960s, and we talk about it in our earlier episode. Right. They made a huge comeback on Saturday morning in the 1980s and really helped lift NBC's rating sales. Oh, it was, it was huge. And in, in terms of comeback, yeah, you're right. A far cry from... Uh and me, I want a hula hoop. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I, I, that, that's the one part of the song that's been stuck in my head forever. Uh, uh, yeah, they go from that all the way to uh, looking like somewhere between, you know, like Michael Jackson and, uh, <laughs> you know, your, your favorite MTV hairband, you know, dressed, right. dressed in the glitter, the glitter leather jackets and then the, the electric guitars. Like you said, they were a real rock and roll band and right. they were playing a lot of licensed music, right? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yo, know, they did a feature-length film back in the day. That that's how huge they got. Yeah. It was there was both uh, the uh, the Chipmunks and the Chipettes uh, traveling oh, around the world. Then there was a Jewel Thief. And it was this whole you know it was high adventure. And I know that all of the music from the movie uh, were licensed properties. And oh, that's cool. I, I'm pretty sure that the, the television show was. Uh, using licensed properties as well. Yeah. It had to have. I mean, otherwise, you know, I mean, you got like Phil Spector on call, you know, cranking this <laughs> junk out every every Saturday, you know? You mean uh, Ross Bagasarian? Uh, well, I mean, that's, yeah, it, 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 that was being silly. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, when you mentioned Phil Spector. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that would have been funny if he had been associated with um, Alvin and the Chipmunks. In another right? dimension, right? In another dimension. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was it was just it was it was a wild time for music, and it definitely showed Alvin and the Chipmunks. Alvin coming out was the right show at the right time, and like I said, it was a huge, huge ratings hit for NBC Saturday Morning, and even later in syndication. I mean, for a while, you know, the series also ran on Cartoon Network, and it did pretty decent ratings on Cartoon Network as well. So uh, it was really a show that worked in all markets, Saturday morning syndication and on cable. Right. The characters are lovable and, and you know, you have good music. Um, it's, it's probably going to be a hit show. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and the IP is still going strong with that. They're, they're, they're oh, still, they're cranking absolutely. out those movies, you know? Oh, yeah. Ask a little kid today, you, you ever heard of Alvin and the Chipmunks? And they'll be like, hmm. like. Uh, yeah, what of it, Boomer? <laughs> One of the other interesting things that was also happening during this era was that uh, you started to see a lot of the uh, early hip-hop cartoons, such as uh, Hammerman and Kid and Play. Yeah, moving into the uh, late 80s and into the 90s. We will probably go a little deeper into 
how hip hop was marketed on Saturday morning in a later podcast. Okay, yeah, yeah, don't worry, good people. In fact, the, the the title of the episode is "The Marketing of Hip Hop in Saturday Morning." So, yeah, that's that's we're gonna do a very deep dive into that. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Dan. I couldn't couldn't remember the name of the, oh, the yeah. actual title, no, but no, no problem. Yes, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> You know, last episode we talked about the MTV era. Do you remember when MTV actually played music videos? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember. I remember. I remember when uh, MTV would premiere videos. I remember when they premiered uh, Michael Jackson's uh, Beat It. And, oh, yeah. And uh, that was like such a big deal. You no, know, they had a countdown in a specific time mm-hmm. and be here. And we're going to play it. and We're going to play it again. And then we're going to keep right. playing it for the hour. Yeah. As as we can we can squeeze it in. That was like when the 90s rolled around. It felt like they started having, I remember the TV show The Real World oh, came yeah. out. Uh, back when Bill Clinton wanted you to rock the vote and all of that. Oh, my and, gosh, man. You're bringing <laughs> you know, me back. <laughs> right, right. Well, the MTV era in, in, in animation maybe slid away a bit, but that music was still going full throttle when we as we go into the 90s. Right. And you know, maybe, you know, you had to go rent this at the video store and pop it in at 8 a.m. on a Saturday for this to be a Saturday morning property. But right. Cool World, Ralph Bakshi. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And an animation legend, uh, Ralph Bakshi. What I loved about Cool World, which was uh, a nice surprise, was that the animation was paired with house music. Right. And I had never seen that before, ever. And uh, there is a character that's played by Kim Basinger of Bassinger. Right. It's a Bassinger. Basinger. Anyway. Right. Uh, <laughs> that uh, she's playing a, a character named uh, Holly. And the scene sort of opens up at this club in this cool world, this animated world that looks like... Uh, Whatever happened to Roger Rabbit, but everybody threw up, sort of. It's sort of dark. It's this crazy animated world, but a lot more edgier and definitely for adults. And this really great house music beat is playing. And the camera just does a slow pan of everyone just kind of grooving to the beat. And there's like a zoot suit wolves grooving to the beat and regular humans and animals. And then all of a sudden the camera opens up. And you see Holly just throwing down and dancing to this really great house beat. Right. I was totally drawn in, literally. Right. And it wasn't what I expected at all. You were physically attracted to a cartoon, Mark. It happens. It happens (laughs) to all of us. Yeah. Every listener out there can understand. Yeah. And so I just thought, wow, who was the person that thought to put animation with house music? Because it's something that I've always thought about being a fan of house music. I mean, you know, when I was a kid, I would take eight millimeter silent cartoons and run background music with it. You know, whatever music I oh, had, wow. you know, like if it were disco or something, I remember the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack had had like a variety of really great music. And sometimes I would experiment and just run some of that music with an, an animated version of the Jetsons that was eight millimeter that didn't have any audio just to oh, see damn. if the music and the action would match. <laughs> right, and so right. 
Watching Cool World and the animation in Cool World with the house music was almost like a dream come true, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was uh, pretty cool to see. Now, the movie itself um, didn't do that great box office. and Right. And I have to admit that it's probably the first movie that I actually saw people get up and walk out of the theater in the middle of the movie. Oh, wow. And so that was the first. But I just love the fact that someone had the forward-thinking idea to link animation with house music. No, that's cool. That's very cool. Yeah, critically, it you know, it didn't, didn't do so great. But it, it looked cool, and it sounded cool. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, um, it had the direction of Ralph Bakshi and really cool character designs and rotoscoping and all the wonderful things that you would expect from a director of that caliber. Be on the lookout for our spinoff podcast, uh, Bakshi Cast. Uh, all Ralph Bakshi, all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to do that one. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that one's going to be rated R, everybody. That'll be, uh, be explicit content. Oh, my gosh, man. But uh, anyway. And there was also another show that sort of was under the radar. It was syndicated. I never heard of this one. I never heard of this one. Yeah, it's called Bots Masters. That must have been after my time. What 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 year are we talking about on that? It came out in 1993. 93. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was already listening to Guns N' Roses and smoking by then. <laughs> so I, I can see how that one passed, uh-huh. passed me by. And it was produced by Jean Cholopin. I'm probably saying that wrong because he's a French guy. Uh, uh, but he created Inspector Gadget back in the day. Shadow. Shadow V. Shadow V. Shadow. Shadow V. We'll get get people on that. Okay. Okay. That's cool. Jean Chalopin. It had really nice animation and it was scored with house music. Oh, okay. And I had never seen a kid's show that was scored with house music. But, you know, house music was becoming very popular. And I feel like you had fans of house music that was working in kids TV. And they decided, well, hey, let's just use it for scoring. It almost seems like that's when a genre becomes normalized. Mm -hmm. When you find it in kids, like rap, oh my God, scary rap music. But then you have like the MC Hammer show. Right, exactly. So many other uh, Saturday morning cartoons after that where hip hop comes in and it's like, oh, we don't need to be afraid of that anymore. Right, exactly. Exactly. It becomes, it, you know, I hate to use the word, it becomes almost commercialized. It also means, hey, hey, parents, find something else to uh, alienate your kids about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, Bots Masters had beautiful character designs. I mean, this producer, Jean-Charles Lopin, his productions always have really great character designs. Bots Masters was a little different. It took place in the future. It was actually about the adventures of a robotics inventor called Ziv ZZ Zoolander, who fought against an evil corporation determined to use intelligent AI robots to take over the world. So this was a pretty progressive storyline for 1993 and for a kid's show. And the really cool part about it was uh, ZZ was an army of one who had made really great, good AI robots And all of the things that the evil corporation was doing, of course, was doing, they were doing it in a very undercover way. So it wasn't like, 
ZZ could go to the police and say, hey, these guys are being bad. You need to do something about it. No, the police were probably in that corporation's pocket. Right, exactly. So it was pretty cool. And of course, you know, the evil corporation, you know, of course they wanted um, Zoolander on their side because he was a genius, you know. Right. But at the same time, you know, somebody had to stop these guys in a very sneakingly way. Uh, try to you take had to go sideways at him. Yeah, no, right. sideways at him. Right. Let me ask you this: This what was, what was the kid's name again? Z Z Ziv Z Z Zoolander. Ziv Z Z Zoolander. Right. Did he was he an orphan? Did he have? How old was he? Was yeah, he, adult? he was. He was an orphan, and it was just him and his sister. And, and his this, sister. No, and no parents, right? No, no parents. parents. Again, this seems to be a common theme with these these music episodes. Uh, well, okay, when you're really getting into that dope beat, do you really want your parents around? <laughs> No, <laughs> like, or, you know, like I'd be blasting, you know, uh, Black Sabbath or whatever. Same, same concept. You know, right. if you really want to rock out, you know, if you, you, it's like you're being your, your own person. Right. And you kind of don't want your parents around. No, you don't. You definitely don't want your parents around. Go away, mom. Another thing, it was sort of like a trend in, in the 1990s, you know, so there would be an opening, a really cool opening theme that introduced the characters. And then there was right. a, a secondary closing theme and... What was cool about the Bots Master closing theme was that it had a little a rap beat combined with the house music. Oh, wow. It was just so cool. Oh, nice. It was so nice. cool. I mean, I'm sure it did pretty good ratings and did good as a series, but I feel like it might have been just a little before its time because it was, right. you know, sort of a high concept series that was dealing with some serious things but zoolander was a very likable character and so were the robots that he was building you know and right the fact that he was you know this lone guy trying to save the world from evil ai robots i thought was just a really cool concept with wonderful house music playing in the background uh, i thought that was like very uh progressive and forward thinking it's the whole um, package yeah yeah for sure Nice. Everybody check that out. Bots Masters. Mm -hmm. Moving into the, the, the 21st century uh, on through uh, today. <laughs> Finally. Yeah, I mean, if you've ever, anybody ever seen the Aquabats, it's, it's a band and these are grown men who are doing like alternative, some pretty cool music, uh, very much in the Sid Marty Croft uh, vein, you know, or Yo Gabba Gabba. I mean, Quest Love, The Roots. That's yeah. Kind of yeah. where, where they really got themselves out there. Right, right. I mean, like, Yo Gabba Gabba was so popular and so quirky and so out there. I mean, it was supposed to be for preschoolers, but oh my gosh, you know adults were watching because... Oh, dude, I was watching every episode. <laughs> because, I mean, they were just that cool, you it know? That DJ Lance Rock rolls up with that big old, big old boombox. You know, it's like, oh, what? This is for my three-year-old? I mean, I'll share, but uh-uh. <laughs> Man. You know? I don't even know what the show was about. I just know that they had cool music. <laughs> I remember, dude, no, we were just singing this the other day. We haven't seen the show in over 10 years. And the whole family and I, we were just singing, don't, don't, don't bite your friends. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't. But the music is just like, with a thump, 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 thump. You know, it's just, it's, it's. It's this brilliant, it's this beautiful electronic music that's blasting, you know, behind. Don't, don't, 
don't bite your friends. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's that's really cool because you know that's cool. a that's a real thing with kids and biting. You know what I mean? No, that's dude. Oh Sesame God. Street wasn't tackling that issue. They sure you know, weren't. I, I don't see Mister Rogers. You know, taking it taking it. You know, into your living room and into the streets and letting everybody know what's what time it really is. Yeah. Don't don't bite your friends, kids. Don't bite your friends. Yeah. No. You'll grab together. They had the strength and the beats. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I just feel like. Um, if you bring in good music, whether it's animated or live action, and you have the right concept, an audience is going to react. Now you have shows where they aren't necessarily music shows. You know, that's not how right. they advertise. That's not how they're right. pitched. That's not how they're marketed. But like every episode consistently, almost without fail, you get some really, really good music. Yeah, you do. Like really do. good music. Bob's Burgers would be an example of that. Definitely. Adventure Time. I have cried on <laughs> some Adventure Time songs. There's a few I could sing right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Teen Titans Go. <laughs> oh yeah, the night, the night, the night begins to shine. Oh my God, yeah. such a great talk show. about. Well, talk about an homage back to the uh, the MTV era. Mm-hmm. You know, it definitely had like a gem vibe in parts. It just, it oh. just does that oh, yeah. whole, it had that whole, that whole feel, you know? What I think is really cool, it feels more organic, a Steven Universe where he just starts singing. I mean, a Steven Universe is so funny because Steven will just start singing. And that is very reminiscent of Johnny Whitaker on uh, Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. You know, they'll right. be talking one moment and singing in the next. So it was sort of an old school way to tell a story, but it hasn't been done in such a long time. I feel like the generation of today, they probably think it's a new, a new thing, but it's, it's still kind of like a cool sing along that they'll put in the cartoon and folks love it. Viewers love it. Right. Oh, it's it's like that old time musical. Right. Uh, the the made for TV. Uh, they just did a movie, and it actually was a musical. Advertises straight up. We're doing a musical. Right. But right. every episode, every episode, and you know this is uh, Emmy award caliber music that, oh, that yeah. they're doing. I I have an entire Steven Universe playlist, dude. Wow. Like uh, I'm not even gonna. I don't need to front. Hey, everybody, you can't see my, you know, I'm not ashamed anymore. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not going to go hide to watch Kids Incorporated <laughs> yeah. or Jim or Steven Universe right. anymore. Right. Anymore. Yes. No more hiding. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's almost like it's uh, what's old is new and what's new is mm-hmm. new. Right. You know, it's, it's taking those, these old ideas, these, uh, this, just this rad music mm-hmm. and just sh- shamelessly, but seamlessly. Right. Weaving it into what, you know, what has been the logical progression of children's storytelling. Right. Exactly. I feel like when you look at all the music from the Saturday morning era and before the Saturday morning era, because we did start out talking about that in part one, you know, it's really cool to see how interesting music has evolved. Did you ever wonder why there are 24-hour kid networks? In my book, The Best Saturdays of Our Lives, I write about how Saturday morning became a competitive business and the proving ground for what would become the 24-hour kid network. My book covers the Big Bang of the 1960s explosion of high ratings to the early digital age of Saturday morning's last hurrah, the 1990s. You can purchase my book by going to thebestsaturdaysofourlives.com and I will ship you a signed copy. Should I tell my Alvin story? 
Would you like to? Oh, I would definitely like Let's to. Let's do it. Let's do it. Back in the day, I used to have a newsletter called The Best Saturdays of Our Lives, and it was sent to everyone who touched any type of kids' content, including Ross Bagasarian Productions, the owners of Alvin and the Chipmunks. And, you know, I had a regular day job, you know, as I was trying to build my brand with the newsletter and trying to get into the kids' business. And so one day I came home from work and there's a message from Ross Bagasarian's office. And I call the office back and uh, I guess it was, you know, the secretary or the executive assistant that worked in the office at the time. And I said, you called me and left me a message. What's up? And she tells me that they don't want me to send any more newsletters to their office. And I said, okay. And I, you know, inquired as to why. And I quote kids. This is what she said. She said, it's something that we don't necessarily need. And I said, all right, well, I won't send any more copies. And that was the end of the conversation. And in my opinion, they just could have thrown my newsletter away and not wasted a long distance call just to let me know that they no longer wanted copies. But I don't know what was going on with that studio back in the day and why they called me and maybe they were having a hard day. Maybe they were upset because I was not talking about Alvin and the Chipmunks and I was talking about all the other studios. I have no idea. However, I just sort of thought it was like a pretty shady move to call me up at home to give me that news directly. What what I find interesting is that they left a message Asking you to call them back. They could have just left it on the message. Hey, man, we don't want your newsletters. Right. right Which exactly. unto itself still would have been shady. But it's like, hey, give us a call back. We want right. to relay this in real time to you. Yeah. I'm like, wow. I'm like, really? You're that pissed at me? But unfortunately, it's one of the stories that, you know, had a little bit of a negative twist. For the most part, People would send me letters and notes encouraging me and telling me how much they loved my newsletter. All right. right? And these were people who I weren't writing about their studios either. They were just saying that they just loved the fact that someone living in Brooklyn, New York, is writing a newsletter about the the industry that primarily takes place in L.A. So that was cool. But that was just one of the craziest things that happened with the uh, owners of Alvin and the Chipmunks. And um, it's still kind of crazy and is a real head scratcher <laughs> for me as well. But, you know, in the end, everything worked out anyway. Um, I was able to break into the industry and currently working in the television industry. So it all worked out. And But it was just a, a weird situation that I just <laughs> won't ever forget. Um, it's a weird industry, right? Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Everyone's entitled to a bad day. Yeah, yeah. And I guess they were having a bad day when they decided to call and leave a message and have me call back to tell me that <laughs> their free newsletter subscription is no longer wanted. <laughs> <laughs> just throw it in the garbage, all right? Don't call me. Just throw it in the garbage. I wouldn't have known anyway. Right. 
Oh my gosh. But you know, it's also a lesson for me to not be, you know, that person in the industry, you know, always try to play it forward and, and help people and encourage folks like I was encouraged. And so, uh, one bad negative, uh, situation did not stop me in my goals. So that's the lesson that's learned here. And guess what? 25 years later, I'm still a fan of Alvin and the Chipmunks. So there you go. Things just kind of come full circle. So even though I didn't talk about Alvin and the Chipmunks in my original newsletter, guess what? It gets mentioned in the podcast. There you go. (laughs) You're welcome, Alvin. You're welcome. (laughs) Yep. You have 30 seconds to describe Thunder Talk. It's pop culture. With a twist. It's music. LBGTQ+. And comedy. Well, dark comedy. It's nerd junk. It's comic books. Video games. Conventions. Yeah, nerd junk. And social commentary. It's woke, yo. Yeah, and nerd junk. Woke nerd junk. Thunder Talk is all over the place. Every place you want to be. Thunder Talk is a proud member of the ESO Network. Find us at thundertalk.org and download us on all podcast platforms. All right, everybody, that's it. That wraps it up. This has been part three of our music episodes. Um, I hope you enjoyed and I hope you learned a little something and had some fun with Dan and I talking about uh, favorite musical moments from Saturday morning, syndicated television, and all those times that we diverted into uh, other topics. Yeah, this is pure, pure comedy gold, people. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> I hope you're writing all of this down. The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast is a co-production of the Best Saturdays of Our Lives studios and the Widows Workshop. To get a personalized signed copy of the Best Saturdays of Our Lives book, go to thebestsaturdaysofourlives.com. This is Mark McRae signing off. <laughs> <laughs>